Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Give us that opportunity to connect with you at the Connect Center, all right? Well, there's, uh, there's, we're in this series called uh, Relationship Goals, and every year we take time to focus on this. We always start in February because love is in the air. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, so like we want to focus on our relationships and how to strengthen them. And uh, in particular, this series is focusing on marriage relationships, uh, even those of you that are single and maybe someday want to be married, that's what this one's for. But, but for the rest of you, some of the things that you can focus on during this season to strengthen your, the other relationships in your life is to get into a group. So, so groups started last week, and so a lot of the groups had like their intro week, uh, but the, you can still jump into a group. There's many of them that are still open, I know that we have spots in ours. I have a walk group, and then we've got a, a relationship group that we're doing. But plenty of other group leaders have their, their openings in their spots, or, or in their groups, so you can get in. You, you need to be in a group. Invest in your relationships. Get out there and be part of a group. Uh, you can't lead one this season, but you can join them. So, so get in a group. Invest in your relationships. And then another way that you can invest in your relationship, and this one's specific to your marriage relationship, is we have our marriage retreat that is coming up in March, uh, but the last date you can register for that is this coming Sunday, so that's February 16th, and there is a cost associated with that because we're going to go away. We're staying at a hotel, and uh, we're, we're going to take care of everything for you, but you need to register by this next Sunday to do that, so uh, make sure you look into that. Make an investment in your marriage. You may look at the cost and say, that's a little much, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, if, if your marriage needs it, it's, it's, it's everything, so, so take the steps to do that. Amen, everybody? So, and then the rest of us, you know, you're investing in your relationships by being here. So well done, guys. This is great. Where we started with this or where we came up with the title for this is because so many people on their social media, for my wife and I, we post pictures and people go, hashtag relationship goals, right? We go out on a date or we do stuff. And I'm sure you've seen these hashtags. In fact, if you go on Instagram and type that in, there are over 14 million, 14 million posts that have the hashtag relationship goals on it. And and the reason people are doing that and the reason that people tag that and they like that is because they're looking at something in a picture that they're like, I want that. Something that's happening in that scene, whatever it is, appears magical to them, makes them feel love. And they're like, relationship goals. Man, I want that in my own life, which is really cool. Now, if you happen to go to Instagram and do this, there are a lot of pictures that I would tell you, you probably just need to keep scrolling past. But there are some really good ones out there. This one in particular, I liked. This is a younger couple, uh, they, I think they might be on a subway, but he's sitting there, she's reading, he's doing something like looks like on his phone, they're cuddled together, hashtag relationship goals, except that you missed one thing, bud, you got a t-shirt on that says she's hot, and you're pointing at the girl sitting next to you that is not your girl, right? Are you seeing that? You're queuing in. That's, that's a miss right there. All right, this next couple I thought was really cute. This is uh, an elderly couple visits 644 out of the 645 Cracker Barrels. It makes you wonder, where's that one they missed? And was that intentional? And was it here in our city? I don't know. <laughs> My daughter works at that Cracker Barrel. Who knows? Anyway, I, I've got goals like that. We've been to all the Chipotles in the area, but I don't know about Cracker Barrel, so... 
Relationship goals. We need to have some relationship goals. Hopefully your goals are not as low as the goals that are set on Instagram, but we, but we do need to have some goals. And I know what, what people are saying when they like those pictures. They're, they're essentially saying, I want that, and, and I feel like that's communicating a desire to just have something better, right? I, I, I want something better. Better than what? Well, better than what they're currently experiencing, better than what they've seen play out in their parents or, or their coworkers' lives or their, their neighbors' lives. Because let's be honest, the way the world does relationships, specifically marriage, is all backwards and wrong, and it just produces terrible things. That if, you do, if you go about your marriage the way the world does, you, you get backstabbing, you, you get uh, lying, you, you get distrust, you get all kinds of things that eventually lead to this nasty little D word we call divorce. And divorce is something that not just divides the marriage, but it rips and it tears everybody that's involved. Because when God puts you together, he made you one. Two families into one, two people into one, and when you divorce, there's a tearing that happens. If you don't believe that, go through a divorce. I don't want you to, but some people, like, I mean, you can't know until you've gone through it. It's terrible, and I don't want that for you, and I know you don't want that for yourselves. That's why you're like, relationship goals, there's something I see that I want. Well, I'm going to be very specific. I'm going to help us identify what that is that, that we really, really want. And as, as Christ followers, what we really need, there are four goals that we need to have in our relationships. And here we are. I'll just show them to you on a quick, oh, they're already up there on the screen. You guys are on it, man. My media team is awesome. So the first week, the first goal we need to have is to be Christ-centered. Now, we talked about this last week, that, that Christ needs to be at the center of our lives, that whatever is at the center impacts and affects our beliefs, our behaviors, and the outcomes of our lives, otherwise, otherwise known as the impact that we can have. So what's at the center is important. If it's your kids or your money, your life will be impacted by that. Your beliefs, your behaviors, and the outcomes will change based on what's at the center. That's why Christ needs to be at the center. We need Christ-centered relationships. The next one is today is mission-driven. Mission-driven. We'll talk about that in a moment. Next week, we're going to talk about being devil-kicking. Listen, you are in a war whether you want to be or not. There's an enemy that hates you, and his job, his only job, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He has to take stuff from you, and he hates you because God loves you. And so we need to be devil-kicking, and then we need to be covenant-keeping. Man, the covenant is not the contract that you sign between your spouse in the state of Ohio or whatever state you were married in. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a permanent biblical promise that you made to each other before God and your family and friends. And we're going to talk about how we can honor that and honor God in the process. But today, today we're going to focus on being mission-driven. Now, last week I gave you some, uh, some assignment, and I said to you, hey, there, here's the one assignment. It's just one thing. Pray with each other. If you're married, pray with each other. If you're single, pray for your future spouse. And this week, I'm going to give you some homework as well. I'm just warning you in advance. There's going to be some homework, all right? Now, before I marry people, and this is going to sound really mean to some of you, um, before I marry people, I'll sit down with them and I have these premarital sessions. And, uh, and one of the things that I do during those premarital sessions is uh, I try to help them decide whether or not they should be married. You say, Aaron, that is so mean. Why would you do that? Well, because if I can help them realize that they ought not be married now, that there's things that are just un they're uncompromising, things in their lives that, man, that's going to explode later on. If I can help them figure that out now, then I'll save them years of pain 
years of, of trying to figure out and make things worse. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, I have a series of questions that, that uncovered some, some landmines that might be hidden. It's stuff that's usually hidden, things that we just kind of assume, expectations, and the list goes on. And we try to figure out, should you be married? And most of the time, if I just straight up ask that question, why are you getting married? People answer in a, vari- answer in a variety of ways. They say, oh, because we're in love. Ever since I met that special someone, when I met him and he held my hand for the first time, all the love songs in the world began to make sense. And I began to hear one note played over. Dun, 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 dun. Look into my eyes and you will see. Yeah, right? Everything just begins to make sense. More often than not, though, people respond when I ask, why, why do you want to be married? And they say, so we can be happy. So we can be happy. Because we've, we've, for whatever reason, bought into the lie that being married or finding that special someone proceeds, comes before the ever after. What is it? It's the happily ever after. We bought into the stories and the fairy tales that and they lived happily ever after. That's where they always end, right? After the big wedding and the big kiss. And they lived happily ever after. M- happiness cannot be the focus of your relationship. It simply cannot be. It cannot be the goal in which you built your relationship. The reason for you getting married, the reason is, is because happiness is not going to last. See, it's built into your wedding vows. You say it. I take you for better or for worse. And they'll be worse. All the married people. Yeah. Say, pastor, be positive. I am positive. There'll be worse days ahead, okay, as a married person. You're going to, you're going to face it. It's not all about happiness. Now, happiness can be a byproduct of of what your relationship should be focused on. And what it should be focused on, the foundation of a godly marriage isn't happiness. It's unity. It's unity. See, Jesus, before, when he was walking this earth, by the way, when, when you don't want to know what we should focus on, you should look no further than the guy who's the leader of our faith and the things that he was concerned about. If you want to know how to walk out this life, Jesus prayed for all of his followers, and he prayed specifically that we would be in unity together because unity would demonstrate that we got love God and God loves us. He prayed that we would have unity. Unity is an important theme in our Bible. That's a whole other message. I don't have time for it today, but understand, we need to focus on unity. Unity around what? Well, we need to be unified around something that is bigger than ourselves. We have to be unified in mission. Being mission-driven is what we're talking about today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this, So God created mankind in his own image, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be happy. Go out, do your own thing. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. It's not what he said. No, God gave them a job. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He's like, here is your mission should you choose to accept it. You need to go out and have lots of babies. You need to go out and subdue, conquer. 
own this earth. That, that was the job he gave him. It was the first thing God did. By the way, you'll notice a pattern here because before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him a job. <clears throat> Maybe I'll say it over here. Before he got a wife, he had a job. Some of you ladies, if you'd stop settling for less, you'd stop getting less. That's just... That's my sassy point, wasn't it? You know it. Yeah, it was. That's not even in my notes. That was just free for you to stop right here. But seriously. Seriously. Stop settling. God gave him a job and then gave him a wife. And then when they got married, he gave him a mission. Gave him a mission. Jesus did the same thing before he left the earth. He died, resurrected, spent time with his disciples, and he's, he's ascending. And he's saying, hey, guys, I'm going to give you a mission. And it's to go tell everybody the good news. Go make disciples. Tell them how to walk this life out. Following me. Baptize people. Go, go tell the good news. Gave him a mission. It's important. It's important. So why get married? Well, our mission becomes because we can better serve God together. We can do more together. We can make a bigger impact together than we can apart. And God has a plan to use you to do that. He wants a duo. He's looking for a team, partners, squad, so that he can assign you a mission. Genesis 2, 24 says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. God's plan is to bring you into unity around something, and it's the mission that he's given you. That's what God does. He unifies things. But the problem is, is that there's an enemy, and we're going to talk about him next week a lot, but your enemy is out to divide you. He's out to destroy you. God will bring you into unity, but the enemy will leave you on a path we call sin, like not not living according to God's standards and God's best for your life. That's sin. And sin divides. It separates us from God. It separates us from his best in our life, which brings a, divide, a division and a divide between us and other people and opportunities and favor. God wants to unite. The enemy wants to divide. Go to the very first story that we're looking at here in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, and we'll see where this plays out. Adam and Eve are walking in the garden. They're happy they're fulfilled. They're living out their mission together. And what happens? The enemy comes along and divides them. It starts off with getting Eve away from Adam. He gets her off alone. And he starts with something as simple as a question. God didn't really tell you not to eat of that fruit, did he? I mean, look at it. It's the only thing you're missing from your life. Don't you need to have that? Don't you want to be like God? Which, by the way, that sounds like a really good question. Like, they had a really good relationship. Of course Eve wanted to be like God. Of course she did. But in order to do that, she would have had to disobey. And so the serpent, the, the, the devil, tricks her, and she eats the fruit. And then what does she do? She brings it to Adam. And now Adam eats the fruit. And the, the first thing that happens is they are ashamed, and they realize they're naked, and they go and hide, and division steps in. Because the next scene is God is walking through the garden like he was accustomed to do with them. And he starts calling out, 
hey, Adam, where are you? Like he didn't know. And Adam said, I hid because I'm naked. God says, who told you you were naked? And then all the blaming, the complaining, the defending steps in. We call it the BCD around here. And Adam blames God. And the woman complains about it. He says, well, it was the woman that you gave me. It's your fault. She gave me something to eat. Division. Upward and side to side. And Eve said, well, it's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. And the serpent, well, he didn't have a leg to stand on, so... Was that a setup just for that joke? Possibly. <laughs> Division set in. Sin entered into our lives. Separated us in relationship with God, with each other. And God wants to unite us, and the devil wants to divide us. So he takes them on that journey and leads them into division. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? That it's important that if you're going to walk together at all, that there can't be this multi-vision kind of thing, that if you're going to walk together, there has to be a destination in mind. If Shanda and I were to go for my wife, if she and I were to go for a walk, and I said, well, I'm going to go this way, and she said, I'm going to go this way, it's not likely that we're going to end up in the same place together, right? We're going to be separated. We may be together in that we have knowledge of where each other is going, but we're not going to wind up in the same place together. There's no unity there. In fact, there's division. If you break down the word division, it's D-I, that's die, that's two. And the word vision, it's two visions. And when there's two visions, there's division. There's a separation that happens here. How can we get somewhere with two visions? In fact, Proverbs 29.18 says, where there is no vision, that's a singular, by the way, where there's no vision, the people perish. That, that if you're going to try to do things your own way, your marriage is headed for some failure here. If you're going to try to walk a different direction instead of being unified in your mission and vision, th there's danger ahead for you. There's the, your marriage will struggle and perish. So what's your marriage about? Instead of going, um, there should be a really good answer for that. can't be about happiness. I think one of the greatest tragedies in marriage is when two people are together but not united. That they, they share a life together. They share a home together. But, but, but they, they don't share a mission together. They're not united. When you look at the Bible, there are a lot of good couples uh, to, to examine their lives and how they live them out. But there's, there's one couple that's the strongest, and it's not Adam and Eve. It's not... Um, uh, Jacob and Rachel, it's not Ruth or Boaz, it's not even Mary or Joseph, or Solomon and his 1,000 wives. Which, by the way, if you were here last week, you heard me tell, tell you about how my wife complained to me about where I put my shoes in the house. Gentlemen, could you imagine that times 1,000? No, thank you. You had to be here last week. But the strongest couple in the Bible were mentioned six times, and one was never mentioned without the other and it's Priscilla and Aquila. And when you look at their lives and you say, what, what made them strong? The answer is found in that they were Christ-centered and that they were mission-driven. 
Paul talks about him this way in Romans 16. He says, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. So what do we know about this couple? Well, they supported Paul in his ministry. Not, not a, that means they were out there planting churches. That's tough work, man. Being on the road and doing that, that's difficult. They risked their lives for Paul at one point in time. They, this verse says that they, they let a grow group in their home. Give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Don't miss that. They, they led a grow group. They were Christ-centered, and they were mission-driven. And they were powerful, the most powerful couple, because they were united in their mission. Listen to me. If you're here and you're married today, I'm telling you God wants to do something significant through you and through your marriage for his glory. And you say, Aaron, I'm not married. I'm single. Okay. What about me? I'm so glad you're here. The whole next section is just for you. By the way, if you're sitting next to a single person, go ahead and nudge him a little bit and say he's talking to you. This is for you. Here it is. If you want a Christ-centered, mission-driven marriage someday, then it's time to start living a Christ-centered, mission-driven life today. I I said the same thing last week. I'm repeating it this week because it was so good. You need to start doing it today. You can't look down the road and say, someday I'll do that. It, it's time to do it now. So, so live a Christ-centered, mission-driven life today. And here's the deal. If God gives you somebody to walk along that journey with you, then praise God. But you don't need somebody to live that out today. You can live that out in your singleness today. You can, you can do it. I heard a pastor tell a story about a young girl who grew up in a Christian home, loved Jesus, had an incredible community in her church, but she went off to college. When she went off to college, she didn't have that community anymore, and she started making decisions that compromised her faith. She she got into a, a frat house. That became her community, and none of them lived like anybody she'd ever met before, and she started partying with them, hanging out with them. And eventually she compromised and took a drink with them. And then next thing you know, she was getting drunk with them. And then that became the norm. And though she had, she had never, never been with a man before, she, she, she went too far one day with a guy. And then, and then the next time she got drunk, she did it again. And then she did it again. And it just became the pattern for her life. And she continued to party and party and party. Drugs entered in. And now her life is just is continuing this spiral. walking far away from God, who's best for her life. And as the story goes, she, she meets a guy. He's a good Christian guy, loves Jesus, serving God with all his heart, loves to read his Bible, involved in his church and in his community, making a difference. And she goes home to her mom, and she tells, tells her mom, Mom, I'm so excited. I met a godly man. I met somebody that, that I feel like, man, I could have a future with, somebody that I've always wanted. And her mom looked at her, not to be mean, and said, Honey, a guy like that isn't looking for a girl like you. At least not the way that you're living. Andy Stanley said it best. If you want a Christ-centered, mission-driven marriage, then do it now. But he said, become the person that you're looking for is looking for. Those of you looking for the right grammar, it's become the person for whom you are looking is for whom they are looking. (laughs) I just had to get that out. You're welcome. I see you out there. 
So, so what does that mean? That means get laser focused on Jesus, single people. That means, that means be Christ-centered now. Rearrange. Get busy. Rearranging and uncompromisingly so your life around Jesus. Get Christ-centered. And then start walking with him. Get involved. Put down roots at a church. Start doing everything they, they do. Here you get, you, means you're coming on Sunday mornings. You go to growth track and you discovered your purpose and you're living that out. You're on a team. You go to a grow group. You don't miss a night of prayer. You're reading your Bible and doing the one-year Bible plan with everybody else here in this church and you're walking through it. You're not perfect at it, but you're trying and you're following Jesus. And as you walk along this journey, if every now and then you want to just kind of look to the right or the left to see if anybody's attractive around you that's single as well, you can do that. But you keep your eyes on Jesus the rest of the time, all right? <laughs> and if you're walking along and you see somebody that, that, that is attract, a little attractive to you, you can take a little step closer to him just like this. So just keep walking, following Jesus, a little step closer, and you might get into relationship with him, and you might want to drop one of these holy, sanctified pickup lines on them. Here we go. <laughs> is it hot in here, or is that just the Holy Spirit burning inside of you? Or this one. So last night I was reading in the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. <laughs> I like this next one. I saved my favorite for the last, so hold on. How would you like to join my purpose-driven life? <laughs> yeah. This one, you got to know this verse, but when I really read Philippians 4.8, I think about you. It's a verse that says, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, think on these things. So anyway, you got to know your Bible joke. All right, I like this one. Here we go. We'll recover. I believe one of my ribs belongs to you, guys. <laughs> or you and me, we're like loaves and fishes. We just might be a miracle together. I feel like this might fit some of you guys in here. I may not have a job right now, and I may live in my parents' basement, but I swear to you, I'm storing up treasures in heaven, and my mansion is going to rock. And this, one, this one's actually my favorite. How many times do I have to walk around you before you fall for me? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep focused. Be Christ-centered and mission-driven. And when someone asks, why are you getting married? Because we can serve Jesus better together. We can do more together. What's your goal? I want to be Christ-centered, mission-driven, devil-kicking, covenant-keeping. Those are our four goals. If you're married here today, I'll ask the question. You say, what is your mission? What is your mission? Is it where you're serving together? Like at church? Maybe. Maybe you went through growth check and both of you identified that you've got a gift for, for serving people. And you're, you're working in the cafe together, making the coffee. Or you're serving in kids ministry, loving on kids together. Maybe. But, but that's serving within the walls of this church, but there, there's a whole world out there to serve. There's a whole world out there to make an impact because, because the, these walls are not the church. You are the church. And together, there's a mission that you can be on that has nothing to do with this building or this, this community of believers. There's things, there's a mission that God can have you on. So how do I know what that is? Well, I'll tell you this. There are, if we're to be united in mission, there's two things that unite people, two, two things that unite you. They are a common enemy and a common mission. A common enemy and a common mission. In other words, I'm going to ask you, what are the things that you love and what are the things that you hate? What are the things that you love and what are the things that you hate? What, are the, what is the injustice 
in society that just makes you sick to your stomach. You can't stand to see that happen any longer. And what is the desired outcome? What is it that you love, that you would love to see happen? For, for some people, and, and this is the case for people here at our church, my mom and dad are one of these people. They hate the injustice that, that, is, that happens to little kids. The innocent kids in the middle of the night are ripped from their homes because of their parents' decisions. They wind up in a foster system. And so for years, my, my parents opened their home to kids to, to be able to stay with them. They, night after night, emergency situation after emergency situation. I remember being woken up some nights. Hey, we've got another kid. And that meant giving up my bed and going and sleeping in another room so that we could love a child and put them in, in, a, in a bed. My parents fostered kids. We, we had a couple kids. They fostered all the way into adulthood and several that they even adopted and made part of our permanent family. They hated the injustice. They love kids. They've spent their lives focusing on that. Well, what about being financially free? We have several couples in this church that love financial freedom, and so they have pursued being debt-free, and now you know what they do? They lead grow groups here at our church to help other people get out from underneath the bondage of debt. It's called financial peace. They just started. You can get in some if you need some financial peace. But they surrender their talents and their journey, their story to us right here at our church. We have people that, that love marriages and they hate divorce. And so they're willing to spend their time counseling. We have a, an or, a, a team here called Community Support. And we have counselors we have social workers, we have coaches, we have pastors, all who have taken their skills and their time and said, we're available to serve. Why? Because they want to see your marriages, they want to see you succeed in life. They want to help you take the next step because they hate it when people feel stuck. When you feel stuck, depression sets in, and man, that's some bad stuff too. They want to help, they've surrendered themselves. Or maybe you just love cooking, and so you want to make meals for people that are feeling lonely or have gone through a difficult time. Our care team does that. Or maybe you're somebody that's good at making money. You love making money, and you love funding the gospel because you know that the gospel is making a difference in people's lives. And so you develop a gift of generosity. There are people that are called to that. It's in the Bible. You won't argue with me. I'll show it to you later. It's there. It's, a, it's the gift of giving. It's there. So what's your mission? Because it isn't just to be happy in this in your marriage. It's to make a difference together that you could not make alone. And the question is, will you choose that? Will you choose to, to do like another couple here in our church does? They focus on those in recovery. And they'll take any and every opportunity to walk with those people in recovery through drug and alcohol addiction. Any opportunity. But what, what is it that, that you love? What is the injustice that you hate? In order to be Christ-centered and mission-driven, we have to figure out what that mission is. So what's your mission? Now, I mentioned some work that we're going to have to do, and, and it's simple. It's not you going out and doing something big like starting a 501c3 or a charitable organization. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I want you to work on your unity in your marriage. Work on your unity in your marriage. Find out what, what is that mission Maybe you don't have something in your heart, but your spouse does, and you just need to get behind them. You, you need to be their biggest cheerleader, support them, and help them, and serve them. Why? Because unity doesn't mean you're the same. Unity means that you're together. It means you're together. You have a united front. You know, I, 
If I'm just being honest about this journey for me, I've been a pastor for seven years. We planted seven years ago. There is absolutely no way that I could have done all that I've been able to do without my wife, Shanda. There's, there's no way. God called me to be the pastor of this church, and she said, I'm going to stand with you, and I'm going to link arms with you. He gave me a partner to walk with me. And I'm going to tell you, that meant sacrifice. My wife is a nurse, and she'd work her third shift, and then when we first started the church in the funeral home, she'd show up ever after having worked all night long. She'd serve in the kids' ministry and help us get everything ready for two services, and then she'd help us tear it all down and set the funeral home back up, and she'd go home and sleep for a few hours and go back to work. Why? She was my partner. She's my co-laborer. She was excited about the mission that God had commissioned me with to plant a church, and she linked arms with me. There was times early on I was not able to take a salary for doing this. And you know what? She's my little sugar mama. <laughs> hey, listen, some of you might have a problem with that. You mean to go follow God's call in your life means you're not going to make any money? I'm not going to be the only breadwinner in this house. might be a temptation to shame somebody. As a man, I felt that whether she said it or not, and she never did. I felt that that she was the one bringing all the money into the house. And you know what? I loved and served and cooked and cleaned just to show her how I love you so much. I do. <laughs> co-partners, co-laborers. It was my call, but our unity. We serve together. We have unity and mission. She supports God's call on my life, and I support God's call on hers. Listen, guys, this is better I'm not saying that what Shanda and I have is perfect. I'm saying living a Christ-centered, mission-driven life where you are unified towards that mission. It's better. Don't settle for any less. Don't settle for less. Don't just share an address. Don't just share a sex life together. Don't just love the same sports teams. Don't just have vacation together or have kids together. There is more for you. There's more. Why get married? Because we can make a bigger difference together than we could alone. And what are your goals? We want to be Christ-centered, mission-driven, devil-kicking, covenant-keeping people. Here's the deal. We can be one of two things. We can, we can be driven by our problems, which a lot of us are. We're, we're driven by, by, by the thing that gets our attention, by the squeaky wheel. And so we're constantly putting out fires. We're driven by those problems, and that's the focus of our life is just running around handling those, whether they're ours or other people's. Or we can be driven by God's purpose for our lives. Let that become the focus, the drive behind all that we do. We can be focused on what we want. And if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of us are. We're focused on what we want in our careers. We're focused on what we want in our bank accounts, what we want in our sex lives, what we want what we want to do with our time. We're focused on our wants. Or we can be focused on what God wants for our lives, which is saying, God, all this is yours. What would you have me do with it? What would you have for us to do? What mission would you have us fulfill? It might be to plan a church. It, it might just be to serve at a church. It might be to start a food pantry or to serve at the food pantry. I, I have no idea what God will call you to. It might be to foster kids. 
Who knows? But when you're focused on what God wants, you ask, what do you want? What, what, what would you have us do? We could be busy about pursuing our own desires, or we could be about pursuing his destiny for us. So let's be Christ-centered and mission-driven. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I'm well aware that the temptation in this room is to hear this message, slap each other a high five and say, man, that was good, and to walk out these doors and do nothing with it, to never think about it again, to never let it feed our hearts and our souls or change our destinies. But God, I pray over this message in particular that a seed would be planted in our hearts and our minds today, Lord, that would just continue to eat away at us until we turn and give it attention. That single or married, no matter what, you would help us understand our mission. Why are we here? Not just where we can serve within the four walls of this church. That's important as we love and serve those that are far from you and love and serve those that are in the body. But, but outside of these walls, outside of Sunday morning, what mission would you have us live on? And I pray, God, that, that as we turn and give attention to that, you would give us dreams that you would give us a vision for that mission. And that, Lord, that as you reveal it to one of us, that you would cause the other to just fall into support. Lord, that, that it would be a shared vision. There would be no division. Let that seed be, take root. Let it be watered. And let it grow until we live a life that is mission-driven and honors you. As we continue to pray in this moment, you don't even get to this mission-driven part until you do the first part, which is a Christ-centered life. Being Christ-centered means just taking everything in your life and organizing it around him. And, and that starts with just a prayer of inviting him into the center of your life. We call it inviting him into your heart because that's where everything flows for you. So I'm going to give an opportunity for you to invite Jesus into that center. And what this doesn't mean is that you're going to be perfect or that you're going to have it all together. What it means is that you're going to be willing to take a journey with Jesus, that you're willing to take step one today, and that as we show you step two, you'll take step two and step three, and pretty soon you'll be taking steps on your own as you learn to listen to Jesus and follow him yourself. We want to walk that journey with you. But it begins with this prayer. And so if you're here today and you're ready to make Jesus the center of your life, to do it clumsily so, imperfectly so, just like the rest of us, I'm going to ask that you slip your hand up and that you do that right now. Slip it up say, that's me. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus today. That's me. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. If that's a decision you need to make, be bold. I'm ready to invite Jesus to be the center. Thank you. Church, let's pray together so nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Show me how to set that up. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.